Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conspiracy Pill, the Mostly Hinged Conspiracy Podcast. I'm your host, PJ Williams, and with me, as always, is Abby Libby. And hey. today we have another very special guest, Christina, also known as Radix Verum. How's it going, Christina? Good. Thanks for having me. I get me your on. name right. I always feel like yes. I'm saying it wrong. Okay. No, it's Latin, so okay. it can go either <laughs> way. It can be Radix Verum, Radix Verum. I don't okay. mind. <laughs> I actually hey. don't even know like what the correct, like proper Latin pronunciation of it is, but I've always just said Radix. <laughs> It's whatever you say it is at this point, right? Exactly. It's a dead language. So now it's yeah. a radish. Now people are taking the little radish plants and like making memes <laughs> of me. <laughs> radish, Which I like that. Cute. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, today we are, uh, are having you on because you have a uh, documentary coming out soon, and we wanted to talk to you about yes. it. So yeah, yeah. Let, let people know uh, what it is, real quick. Okay, so um, for some of you guys, if you're not familiar, uh, the FBI arrested a group of men uh, back in October of 2020, right before the 2020 presidential election. And uh, these guys were arrested for conspiracy to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer. Um, They were also later charged in a superseding indictment with WMDs. And um, I started following the case, started reporting on it back when it first happened. I think that you guys understand when you see certain things being covered on the news in a certain way, you immediately know if the mainstream media is saying this, then I've got to look into it because it's probably the opposite. You know, it's probably not true. So as soon as I heard like, right, that's like, wing, that's like what our whole show is about, essentially. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As soon as I heard right wing white supremacist, domestic terrorist. I was like, okay, you know, FBI foils plot, you know, I'm smart enough at this point to question anything the FBI does and to at least do my own research into it. And uh, I also saw kind of, there were some people on the, uh, on the right or on the conservative side who rushed to condemn these guys as like Antifa because one of them had like an anarchy flag I remember that. You know? Yeah, I remember that yeah. being a thing. It was like, oh, they're they're not our guys. They're they're Antifa. Let's look the other way. Yeah, and that. let's yeah. call them like that. Oh, they're real domestic terrorists. They're just right. the leftists. You know, these are right. Antifa people. And then people on the left rushing to call them like the white supremacists, uh, whatever. So you know, both were wrong. And um, anyways, I just started reporting on the case, covered it for over two years, and then. Uh, ended up meeting Brandon Caserta, who is one of the guys that was charged federally, one of the two that was acquitted, interviewed him. And then I, what I learned from talking to him was like, this is so much bigger than even I understood as somebody that followed it and reported on it in real time for over two years, you know. So, so really quick, that, that actually leads me to the first question I want to ask you. And we, we do want to play the, the trailer because there's a trailer for this documentary coming out. And then we'll, we'll kind of get into the story in the case. Because one thing I'm sure of is that most people watching probably are not familiar with this case. It's one of those ones that's interesting to me personally because I live in Michigan and she, you know, Gretchen Whitmer is my governor. And I've been paying a little bit of attention to it here and there. But what is it that got you into, the, into this? Well, I would say my... Um, just sort of my prior background, the things I have been talking about and investigating right around the time this happened. I had already been looking into the FBI's PATCON operations in uh, yesteryear. So things like Ruby Ridge, Waco, Oklahoma City, right. I've been looking into that stuff as it relates to uh, other things that are going on uh, with the, you know, burgeoning national security apparatus and 
I just kind of saw it and was like, yeah, this is a lie. And then the more I looked into it, the more I realized like this thing is massive. You know, the Department of Justice characterized it as like the biggest domestic terror case in a generation, which I think shows you like the significance that they were putting on this case. And I've also spent time like looking into just like FBI abuses after 9-11. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is another interesting thing that like there's only a time, couple of those, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time there's some kind of like terror attack or like mass shooter, the FBI is tangentially involved. There was either an informant that they were talking to or an actual like undercover agent, or it was like they were previously known to the FBI and then the FBI didn't do anything like, yeah, we oh, hear that yeah. one a lot. <laughs> we just happened to interview them like a year before they went on a spree. Whoops. <laughs> Dropped yeah. the ball there. You know, what was that shooter that had like 56 different calls to the police? Like right before it was the one in Florida, right? The park yeah, Nicholas Cruz, right? Yeah. 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 And that it, it's just like, it's unbelievable. And uh, so I've just, you know, come to the conclusion that, you know, what they're doing is uh, manufacturing this stuff because it helps them expand their budget and maintain their relevancy, you know, to kind of have to maintain this constant state of fear of like the next threat. You know, I remember being a young lady when we had the global war on terror and we were convinced that there were like jihadis everywhere and all of that. And I remember that being a lie, you know? So yeah. for me, I just figured, yeah, here they're, we're moving on to the next thing. You know, it's no well, longer I, radical Islamic terrorists that we need to focus on now. The, the big threat that they're hyping up is what they call the, the domestic insider threat, which it's is kind a of a sandwich, way. isn't it? Because that was the yeah. 90s. And then we had the, the global terrorism. Now we're back to the domestic terrorists. Now the we're same, back. Yeah. yeah, we're back to the, the 1980s and 90s again right. with this stuff. So it's super weird. Yeah, um, so, but I, um, I find it fascinating too, though, to kind of look into this stuff, and you know, somehow for right. some some reason, I'm always kind of right about it. All right. Well, you've already brought up so many things. I want to ask you questions about. I heard WMDs in there, and then I know, <laughs> also know, which is crazy. You know, talking about WMDs in a in a local anyway. But that, and uh, obviously, like you know, you said there's reasons that the FBI wants to do this, get bigger budgets. I'm pretty sure some of these guys got. Uh, promotions to, to pretty big things that had to do with January 6th later on. So we're yeah. getting to all of that, but I'd like to first play the trailer for everybody. And also just yes. a quick apology. If my camera looks bad or if anything's kind of lagging tonight, I, my internet is completely out of my house and I'm using my cell phone as a, as a hotspot. So it's, it's uh, what I call welfare Wi-Fi. So I'm just going to apologize ahead of time if I look like super grainy. So um, or if anything happens, but yeah, we'll, we'll, the show will go on, but let's, uh, let's check out this trailer really quick. Is it, uh, I want to make sure I have the right screen. Is it this one right here. There we go. Earlier today, Attorney General Dana Nessel was joined by officials from the Department of Justice and the FBI to announce state and federal charges against 13 members of two militia groups who are preparing to kidnap and possibly kill me. We're grateful to the FBI and law enforcement to discover these domestic terrorists and stop them. You know, it's the sort of behavior you might expect from ISIS. You might see a number that high in a sprawling narcotics conspiracy that stretches from coast to coast and beyond. That's a pretty high number in a case like this. It really reflects, I think, how deeply the government has been diving uh, into this investigation to try to make these cases. 
it was just literally a bunch of working class guys who on the weekend got together and you know exercised their rights and trained with firearms so the fbi says hey we'll just pay for everything who arranged the meeting the FBI's paid provocateur. Robeson was getting paid to set this stuff up. So they make the route, they set the locations, they make the plan, they do everything, and Adam's literally just sitting in the basement of the vacuum repair shop smoking blunts all day. You're gonna hear that my client was the leader of this group. But I think you're also gonna hear that there was an election held to identify the leader, and it was Dan. How can I frame a social situation to make this naive person appear to be a dangerous, violent terrorist? The whole goal was for the FBI to spend millions of dollars to create militia groups, record them saying offensive stuff, and then frame them in a fake conspiracy. So knkfilm.com is how people can can find this. When do you yeah. guys have a release date for this yet or what's what's that looking like right now? No release date for it yet. Optimistically, okay. I'm saying <laughs> I hope to have it done by the end of the year if we can get our meet our fundraising goal which I am, you know, very confident that we'll be able to meet um, that'll help me get it done a lot faster. So, yeah, it's can just, people can people uh, donate to it at knkfilm.com? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, awesome. I'm yeah, linking it right so, now. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, the story is just so big and uh, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> so, yeah. I, yeah. I have a lot of questions, but I, I want to get Abby's take on this because I think that you and me are, are probably both a little bit more familiar with this case. So I don't yes. want to talk past people that are watching who maybe don't know or don't know as much about it. I know Abby knows some about it, but um, yeah. what's your first thoughts? Where should we start? Where should we go with this? There's so many things here. I know. Yeah, it's like I know about the case and I'm also lost in it. And I think part of it is because it hasn't been talked about and it was never talked about that much. And yeah, I, what what is what aspect of it first got you interested? Well, the fir- I think the first thing that got me interested was just seeing that Uh, a group of guys that were part of a militia were arrested for a conspiracy to kidnap and kill a governor that grabbed my attention because that's, you know, if that's real, that's pretty serious. You know, it's something I think everybody would want to look into, but it wasn't real. (laughs) It was fake. And that was another thing that got me immediately too, was, you know, they were able to secure an indictment from a grand jury And then the indictment is different than like the criminal complaint. Then there's a superseding indictment and they're all kind of different, you know, then as it made its way through the discovery phase and onto the first trial, more and more information kept coming out and more and more evidence that actually suggested that it was the opposite of what happened. It was really the FBI that was trying to develop a plot to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer. And they were trying to convince a bunch of random guys to like get on board with this. And these guys kept saying, no, you know, there are exculpatory statements in the discovery that the jury didn't get to see, but I have him uh, in a binder here in front of me, there was tons of them. So these are all things that the guys said that were like, I don't want to do anything violent. 
you know, there was one guy that said, like, we're defensive, not offensive. Like, we're doing defensive firearms and medical training. That's what we're doing. Another guy said, like, I'm not down with that. We're not kidnapping anybody. We're not black bagging politicians. You know, there there were some of these guys that wanted to contact like local sheriffs because they actually thought they could do like a legal arrest of Gretchen Whitmer for violating the constitution with her mandates. Um, in fact, Adam Fox, the guy who was living in the basement of the vac shack that they called the ringleader of this case, the autistic man, uh, he had been calling sheriffs. He called five different ones. One of these sheriffs was a guy named Dan Abbott who wanted to meet with him. So he had like in his mind, legal recourse for addressing uh, his grievances with the government. He tells one of the FBI informants, Dan Chapel, about it. And Chapel tells him, no, don't do it. That's going to be a setup. You know, we, we don't want to do stuff like that. We can't do that. And then suggested to him that they drive by the governor's vacation home or drive by her actual home and fire rounds into the home. Then he suggested, so this is the FBI making these suggestions through their main informant, Dan Chapel. He suggested getting Tannerite and throwing it in her garage and then blowing it up just to scare her, you know. And then he suggested getting like a, a small tactical team together and uh, taking out her security detail. Now, the government calls these de escalation tactics they had to explain why their informants are suggesting criminal activity to a bunch of guys who were not engaged in criminal activity. It, is that the most Orwellian thing that I've ever heard? You said they call how's, them de-escalation to be de-escalation? entrapment. This is entrapment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's entrapment. Yeah. It's attempted entrapment. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't get the guys to go through with <laughs> any of that. So, I mean, that's the other thing of, of why I have an issue calling it outright entrapment. It's attempted entrapment, but right. none of these guys ever actually followed through or carried out any of the suggested uh, criminal activity. Um, you know, they made contrary statements. So uh, it's just kind of stunning to me. What it really is, is a frame job. What the government did here was cherry pick different things, you know, and you have to imagine some of these guys were under surveillance for an entire year before they were arrested. The government also had access to all of their uh, internet history. So Google searches, all of the memes that they had posted in different various servers and chats, uh, things that they said in Facebook DMs, you know, just like the government is able to, to take different little pieces, put it together and try to frame you as a violent person or a criminal when you're not. So uh, uh, there's one part of this case that um, I... I don't know if you've mentioned this yet, but this one I think is one of the more shocking things is there was, uh, remind me, was 13 people that were arrested under suspicion of, of this it whole was, thing, right? It was actually 14. 14. Uh, there okay. says 13, but it was 14 that were actually arrested. And then there was a slew of other guys who got raided and the government stole all of their property and just never charged them. Right. Well, I guess the thing that I was going to ask is the group was, um, what was it, 26, 28 people? And so half of them, right? Or am I getting this wrong? So about uh, half of them were feds. Um, yeah. So it depends on what you mean by the group. Right. So the Wolverine Watchmen okay. is the militia group in Michigan that the government claims was trying to carry this out. Now, 
a lot of the guys that are defendants in the case were never actual members of the Wolverine Watchmen. They just attended some of their training exercises. So they themselves were not full-blown members of this group. So it's a loose group of like, I think at, at its largest, it had maybe like 30, 40 guys loosely associated with it. it they weren't really like any kind of like structured militia group you know, it was sort of like, uh, I don't know, very small. And, um, you know, the government's main informant, Dan, he basically became the leader of the Wolverine Watchmen, effectively. He uh, reached out to the group in March of 2020 on Facebook. Um, and that's another interesting thing. Uh, I feel like I'm going to go on tangents because there's just so much information. No, it's good. There's a lot here, but yeah, I, for sure. I try to, I want to give some background before I get into the other stuff. So, his story, Dan Chapel, he was like the main informant that the government really relied on to uh, build their case. And they rely on his testimony at trial. Like none of the other, there were 12 informants, two undercover agents. And I want to stress that we know about, that we know right. about. There is still a ton of discovery, even today, under seal. Now, it would be really great if we could get a lawyer to help us as part of this documentary crew that is investigating and covering this story, sue to help us get that information unsealed. Because at this point, that federal case is over. There should be no reason why this is being kept under seal. I believe the reason for that, though, is, is because I think there were more informants. You know, right. the 12 is just what we know about from some of the information that came out through discovery. But there's some, so much more there that is being hidden. And I think it dates back. Uh, further than 2020 when the official investigation began like i actually know for a fact it did um so th this guy's story though dan chapel he's an iraq war veteran he becomes the main informant he becomes basically the effective leader of the wolverine watchman his story was he was on facebook and he just happened to be as a iraq war veteran searching for pro 2a groups that he wanted to join because he claims he wanted to maintain his perishable tactical skills, right? So he claims that he came upon the Facebook group of the Wolverine Watchmen. At that time, that group was a private Facebook group of only 15 members. I'm sorry, but if you're doing searches on Facebook mm. for like pro 2A groups, there are much bigger pro 2A groups, like public groups with thousands of members, like I don't think you'd find this obscure private group on Facebook and then go, oh, that's the one I'm going to join. It makes no sense. Also, none of those guys in the Wolverine Watchmen had the level of training that Dan Chappell had as a veteran. So how right. are they going to help him maintain his perishable tactical skills from the military if none of them are actual like former operators or whatever. So that whole story never made sense to me, but he claims that he came across the book, uh, the group uh, asked to join, went through some kind of automated vetting process and then got brought into the, um, the private group and then an encrypted group chat. And he claims that it was in this encrypted group chat that he saw threats of violence against law enforcement. Now we've never seen it to this day, any evidence that these threats ever existed. He didn't think that he should document it, apparently, and neither did the FBI. And let's be honest, like if it existed, it would have we would see it. 
we would have seen, seen it by it. now right. for sure. Yeah, and yeah. That's so, what I often do when I'm looking for a new group to join. I find a local 15 person private group and then go, "That's the one." And especially right? when it's ran by what a couple of PX Rangers, like people who don't have any actual tactical training. That's, yeah, that's right. what I would do for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just because like, that's part of this too, right? Like story. they. The FBI set up, if I if I have this correct, they set up a training camp in Ohio for these guys. So these guys were not training, not like they weren't even training other people. The they were being country. trained by the by the, the feds. FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? So crazy. Yeah, like the FBI claims that the Wolverine Watchmen were running a terrorist training camp, and it's like. You guys were running it, though. So, like, you were running a terrorist training camp? Is that what you're saying? It wouldn't here? be the first time that My our government God. ran a terrorist training camp. What were you going to say, Abby? What type of people, what, what's the profile of somebody that the FBI uses like this? Like, as an informant? Or like, as, like, a patsy? <laughs> as a patsy. Is, have, you, have you come across kind of a... A set of like a stereotypical kind of yeah. person. Um, no, and that's another interesting fact about this. Like I thought, you know, in the beginning when I first started covering this, I thought Adam Fox was kind of like a really naive, um, borderline like mentally ill person living in the basement of the vac shack. And through my conversations with him, that's not the case at all. He just happened to be in a vulnerable position. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but prior to this happening. He had just divorced his wife and he basically gave her everything, including the house. And that is why he was living in the basement of the vac shack. So he was sort of like down on his luck, um, just got out of a relationship. He started dating a woman named Amanda Keller, who I would say was a really bad influence on him. And there are questions about whether she herself was an informant. We don't know yet. We can't say for sure, but there are certain things that would indicate that she was. Um, and she is the one that encourages him to kind of try to get into these militia groups. Um, Adam is not good with firearms. He is not like on the level of some of these other guys and the Wolverine Watchmen. And they themselves are not at the level of like a military veteran or operator or whatever. Um, you know, but Adam is sort of like fumbling around, you know, in from somebody who told me he had attended one of these field training exercises, he was not charged or indicted in the case or anything. He only attended one, but he witnessed this. He said that he saw the FBI informants like ordering Adam around, telling him, go do this, go do that. And then laughing at him as he's running around like, a, you know, trying to basically do everything they're telling him to do. So it's, it's somebody like that, that, you know, maybe is a little bit autistic and doesn't pick up well on social cues. Somebody that is going to look at a, a person like Dan Chapel and be really wanting to please them because Dan described himself when he joined the Wolverine Watchmen as an Iraq war veteran, which is true. He is a veteran from the Iraq war, but he basically described himself as part of the elite unit that helped rescue Chris Kyle. So he made himself sound like real you know, like an experienced operator, whatever. So was these he just guys a, did, all did it turn out he was him. just a fobbit or something like that? Did he actually have like real experience or he had some real experience, but he never rescued Chris Kyle. Like, well, that well was yeah, I'm up. sure that part was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's just like, but for those guys in, in the Watchmen group, this was 
a person that they thought was way more experienced than them, had the military and tactical training that they wanted this guy to be their commanding officer. He said, oh, I can't be the commanding officer, but he essentially was the leader of the group. He was recognized informally as the leader. You know, they said Joe Morrison and Pete Musico were technically the founders of the Wolverine Watchmen and the people that ran the group, but they had stopped really participating in stuff. And Dan was the one that was leading all of their tactical training. Steve Robeson, another informant, he was the one calling these meetings to to uh, happen, right? Like, so the government, one of their big claims is that there was a nationwide meetup of militia groups, right, where these militias were going to coordinate efforts to facilitate domestic terrorism. And what they didn't say is that, like, the government called this meeting, like their informant, Steve Robeson, was the one chairing the meeting, telling each person to speak, you know, calling the group to attention, leading the group in like the Pledge of Allegiance or something at the beginning. And he's the one he's on audio saying things like we need to have a plan you know, you guys are wasting my time. We're not even going to have another meeting unless you guys come up with a plan. Things so, like that. Real quick. I also, I've seen this comment here. I've been saving. I want to show uh, shout out to Scott day donating. Now time for support our money where our mouth is. If you guys want to donate too to see this film uh, be fully funded, fully made K and K film.com uh, is where you guys can go to, to donate. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. One of the things oh, totally, I totally just lost my question by oh, <laughs> plugging sorry. No, no. What was the last thing you said real quick? Because it, it reminded me of something I wanted to ask you. Oh, so I was talking about how the government called together this nationwide meetup of militia. Oh, groups. Right, right. So and one other part of that real quick. Yeah, yeah. All sure. of these different heads of these state chapters of the different three percenters or different militia groups, like almost all of them were led by an FBI informant. So at that nationwide meetup of militia groups, there were five or six people wearing recording devices. Wow. So uh, the, I guess the question <laughs> I wanted to ask you was, wasn't Dan also the guy who was recruiting people? Like, wasn't he sending out texts and things like yes. that, trying to get more people to literally the point of recruiting at that point would be, hey, you're not you're innocent. Let me get you to be involved in a crime specifically so I can rat you out. And right. if I if I'm correct, yeah. wasn't he like being pressured? Because he was just an informant. He wasn't actual like FBI, right? So he was being pressured by the FBI to recruit more people. Um, Is that something that I read he, or am I getting this? He wrong? wasn't being pressured, but he was the one recruiting people. You're absolutely right. Okay. I have the text messages between special agent Jason Chambers and Dan Chapel, where Chambers is telling him, Hey, you know, you need to uh, invite as many people as possible to this next meeting. We want so-and-so here. Like, so the government, one of the big things that they talk about is what they called the guys going on like a, they call it like a recon trip of, of Gretchen Whitmer's vacation cottage. So there were two recons, a daytime recon and a nighttime recon. And they made a big deal out of this. Okay. They say, this is what proves that there was some, some plan, right. To go after and kidnap Gretchen Whitmer was because these guys basically drove by her house or something. So the first daytime recon, uh, Adam Fox is a passenger in the car. This is the guy who they claim was the, leader of this the ringleader of the kidnapping plot they said it was adam fox like the government said that they said he and barry croft were the ones trying to recruit people into their conspiracy or, or into the group but that there's literally no evidence for that like who were they recruiting like who 
and for what? Like, can you show any text messages of them trying to recruit people and bring people to these meetings, to these trainings? Because there's no evidence to back that up. It was actually Dan uh, at the behest of the FBI special agent, Jason Chambers, who was inviting people to things. So like Barry, the how they lured him to the night recon, they told him they were doing land navigation training. Now, Barry is a, uh, uh, he's in his 40s, right? He's a truck driver. He is a father of three girls. He's raising them by himself with his fiance, Chastity. Uh, he lives in Delaware. Like, what is his motivation to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer? First of all, like, it, it, what, he's mad about her lockdown mandates? He doesn't live in Michigan. Why would that bother right. him? So they've never been able to explain that. What they said was, well, he was so mad at politicians in general because they use these phrases like anti-government sentiment, anti-law enforcement sentiment. And they say he was so radicalized in this anti-government sentiment, he would have gone after any politician. Didn't matter if it was Gretchen Whitmer, uh, it's just anybody, you know. So that's why he wanted to get her because any politician would have done. Okay, well, Barry traveled around the country as a truck driver. He attended many different rallies and protests and events. He met the, a state representative in Pennsylvania while he's carrying a sidearm, a firearm, meets Doug Mastroianno, shakes his hand, takes a picture with them. He's armed then and there. If he wanted to kill a politician, he had the opportunity to do so. He didn't do it. So this right. narrative is ridiculous uh, on its face. It's very well, I think silly. Most I think most all the narrative is ridiculous as, as we're finding out uh, really yeah. quickly too. Um, I just want to remind you guys that we are going to be going over to rumble and answering questions because I know Christina's got so many things that she wants to get to and I'm fascinated with her story. So I'm actually trying to save your questions here. I've got the rumble chat pulled up as well. So at some point, uh, as we always do, we'll go over to rumble and we'll just answer questions and talk with you guys there. Uh, after we kind of get through a lot of, of what we want to talk about. So if you can go to rumble.com slash C slash conspiracy pilled and follow us there. Cause that's where you get the full show. And you guys can also, if you're audio listeners, you guys can go to conspiracy and you can get the full audio podcast. that includes the rumble stuff uh, just by being a member. You don't even have to, to be a, a supporting member, but you'll get that. And if you're a supporting member for $5 a month, you guys get bonus unhinged episodes, which we do have more planned more coming soon. So uh, that's my little pitch there. Um, yeah, Abby, what's, what's, what's your thoughts on all this stuff? Are you, how familiar are you with the, this case just out of curiosity? Um, enough. Um, yeah. one thing that was emerging in my mind was this question of, are they trying to actively find and eliminate all the men who are in a position to be the types of leaders that like Paul Revere was the kind of just unhinged enough to, to do the right thing at the right moment. Like those are the people they're the most scared of. And it seems like yeah. they're doing a lot of work in a lot of places to find those people. That's a great question. And um, it really reminds me of Barry Croft, the guy I was telling you about from Delaware. His big thing was like the constitution. This is a guy who has we the people tattooed on his arm here. He has a three percenter symbol tattooed on his hand. Um, 
he used to wear a tricorn hat, right? When he would drive his truck around the country (laughs) and he would do that though. So people would ask him questions and would come up to him. And like, some people would think it was a pirate hat. Some people would understand like what that symbolized and what that meant, but it gave him the opportunity to tell people about the constitution. You know, he was trying his idea and this is all documented in, in these conversations at these meetings that these guys were having with these various militia groups and just regular people who were in patriot groups on Facebook, which is a big part of this was Facebook creating uh, the FBI, creating Facebook pages for different militia groups or just different uh, groups and having their informants administer these pages. Um, so, yeah, it was things like that. So at these meetings, Barry was talking about his idea of creating constitutional schools. That is actually why he was interested in Michigan was because he was looking around at the time at real estate prices. And he thought, oh yeah, Michigan might be a really good place where we can get some cheap real estate and open up a constitutional school. Because this was again, during 2020, when there were lockdowns and a lot of kids were having to do distance learning. And for the first time, their parents are hearing the stuff that they're being indoctrinated with. And they want like a solution, like, hey, we don't want our kids to be radicalized with gender theory or, you know, uh, being taught critical race theory and taught to hate themselves and their country and their history. So like we could create an alternative to that. We could create these constitutional schools that teach kids a proper American history and to teach them to like value our country. And um, he also had another idea, which was to mint silver. So he actually purchased a smelting machine right before they arrested him. When they claim he wanted to like buy a, a bomb or something, which he never did. He never tried to. He actually was buying a smelting machine so he could take silver bars and he wanted to break them down into smaller pieces because he believed that there was going to be some kind of like economic collapse. And he's like, hey, we have these big pieces of silver. Like we should break these down into smaller, like four dollar pieces or whatever for trading, (laughs) bartering. And the FBI actually seized his one of his silver bars like they took it. They own it now, which is hilarious to me. But um, so like it, it does seem like you're right, Abby, that they they really dislike uh, people that are that care about like the founding fathers. In fact, that's another interesting point to kind of jump forward in time to bury sentencing. They claimed that he was the spiritual leader of the group. So after calling Adam Fox the ringleader for two years, after they sentenced Adam Fox to 16 years in prison, the next day they have Barry sentencing. They give him 20 years in prison and they say, yeah, well, you know, we've been saying Adam Fox was the ringleader for two years now, but we've changed our mind because Barry's doing interviews while he's in prison with me. They quote an interview he did with me at his sentencing and they say he is still fully radicalized because he didn't take responsibility for being framed by the federal government and the the prosecutor nils kessler that mind you this is a u.s attorney he is bar certified so he's taken an oath to protect and defend the constitution he uh says that when barry talked about wanting to Uh, restore like the constitution in America, that that was somehow similar to ISIS saying they want to restore a caliphate. And it's like, what? Didn't you take an oath to that constitution? And so you think that like restoring the constitution is similar to ISIS and the caliphate. And then he said things like, oh, and Barry would talk about the founding fathers and the constitution, which is a myth. 
So the, the prosecutor, a U.S. attorney, calls the founding fathers and the Constitution a myth. This is the document they take an oath to protect and defend, and right. that's the contempt that they have for it. But not only for the document and the founding fathers in our history, but people like Barry who are very into that you know, and care about it. They have nothing but contempt for him. And they said he was like the blind sheik. That's this, like, what? Yeah, this actually makes me, reminds me of something I think you brought up earlier is, uh, you know, obviously we had something like uh, COINTELPRO if, you, if we go back far enough. And COINTELPRO really in its early days was kind of an anti-communist. Uh, it was more towards that, right? It's where the FBI was essentially... Well, do you want to explain a little bit of COINTELPRO and Patriot Pro? Because I feel like what Abby asked about um, them trying to take these people out, it's not anything new. This, yeah. this happened, like you said, throughout the 80s, throughout the 90s. We kind of went to the, the global war on terror thing. We forgot about the domestic terrorists, supposedly, that the FBI's created or whatever throughout this whole time. But for people who are not familiar, what is, what is COINTELPRO and Patriot Pro and how does that play into this? Yeah, so COINTELPRO was like a, a program from the FBI in the 60s and 70s that targeted, as you said, sort of like left-wing anti-war groups, um, you know, and it was sort of like anti-communist stuff. Uh, but they had this, it was the same kind of thing of like, we're going to infiltrate organizations and then we're going to try to destroy them from within, disrupt whatever. Um, and then moving forward in time to the 80s and 90s, you have patriot conspiracy patcon which was very similar the fbi's goal at that point was to infiltrate what they called christian and right-wing militia groups uh, at that time during the 80s and 90s there were some you know there was a pretty good healthy militia movement uh, but there was also things like christian identity movement and that was sort of like what they they aimed to infiltrate these groups now what's different about patcon and COINTELPRO though is that with COINTELPRO, a lot of the organizations that the FBI infiltrated, like they committed crimes. So there were cases that were brought right. through where we got discovery and we got to see the FBI's documents as it relates to COINTELPRO. So there's a good amount of documentation out there that described the program in detail. Mm -hmm. For PATCON, that was different. The groups that they had infiltrated didn't actually end up really committing crimes or for whatever reason, they didn't go through that discovery phase. So we didn't hear about PACCON until I believe 2007 was the first time it was mentioned. The documentation we have for it is very little. Um, and it uh, allegedly, you know, they claim that it only ran from 1991 to 1993 and then it was shut down. But, you know, that's officially we know. That uh, well, we've heard we've heard that under. story. We've heard yeah. that story before quite a few times. By the way, Tom from America Floats is joining us now. Tom, how's it going? Hey, doing well. How are you guys? Hello. Good. Good to yeah. see you all. And Christina, good to see you again. That's yeah. the only reason I wanted to come on tonight was just to, it was to make just face. You. It wasn't for yeah. it wasn't for us. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Did you get to see the trailer for the documentary yet? No, not yet. Okay. I, I, I let's, have to. Let's roll it again because it's so okay. good. I've seen that there's more people rolling in uh, who weren't. Do here we bring the a clip? So. Roll the clip. If we have roll a clip, the clip, let's roll the All clip. Right, let's, let's roll the clip. I could watch this a thousand times. <laughs> it's so I'm good. So it's so good. <laughs> Earlier today, Attorney General Dana Nessel was joined by officials from the Department of Justice and the FBI to announce state and federal charges against 13 members of two militia groups who are preparing to kidnap and possibly kill me. We're grateful to the FBI and law enforcement to discover these domestic terrorists and stop them. 
You know, it's the sort of behavior you might expect from ISIS. You might see a number that high in a sprawling narcotics conspiracy that stretches from coast to coast and beyond. That's a pretty high number in a case like this. It really reflects, I think, how deeply the government has been diving uh, into this investigation to try to make these cases. It was just literally a bunch of working class guys who on the weekend got together and you know, exercise their rights and trained with firearms. So CSI the on. FBI says, hey, we'll just pay for everything. Who arranged the meeting? The FBI's paid provocateur. Robeson was getting paid to set this stuff up. So they make the route, they set the locations, they make the plan, they do everything, and Adam's literally just sitting in the basement of the vacuum repair shop smoking blondes all day. You're gonna hear that my client was the leader of this group. But I think you're also gonna hear that there was an election held to identify the leader, and it was Dan. How can I frame a social situation to make this naive person appear to be a dangerous, violent terrorist? The whole goal was for the FBI to spend millions of dollars to create militia groups, record them saying offensive stuff, and then frame them in a fake conspiracy. Damn. I would watch the shit out of that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's why you guys got to go to kingfilm.com. I was like in an office building with real life people who were like, wow, I can't believe that that happened. And I was actually on the part of the why can't you believe it? Of course, that people would hate her that much. Well, this is completely believable. But now watching this, I'm like, well, obviously it's a setup and people should know the truth about being a setup. Yeah, exactly. No, you're right, though. I mean, at the time, there was a lot of like anger about her. I, I right. think a lot of people in Michigan really don't like her. Um, and they believe what she did was wrong. But if you go through the actual evidence, guys, like I said, you know, these gentlemen, they were upset. They were mad. What the government did was have them, you know, saying a bunch of offensive stuff while they were drunk and stoned, sitting around with a group of 20 or 30 guys shooting the shit around a campfire, you know, or whatever. Like, yeah, they're going to do big talk, you know, but that's all it was, talk. Like at one point they said they were going to fly her over the lake on a kite. That obviously wasn't physically possible. Wait, they didn't do that? <laughs> they didn't have an actual, like, giant kite? <laughs> yeah, and here's another funny part. Adam Fox in the girlfriend. court documents that they wanted to put her on a kite. Yeah. Yeah. They it's in there. That that as they if it was like a real thing at trial. Oh, they played the audio <laughs> of Adam. Like, yeah, fuck that bitch. Whitmer. We're, <laughs> we're going to get her and we're going to take her out on the lake and fly her over the lake. I'm on not, a kite. That'll I'm show not going to lie as, as a blue collar worker in Michigan. That just sounds like cooler talk. That's it just sounds like, <laughs> You know, right. you're leaning it's on like, the shovel at the job site and just like shooting the shit. Like that's what that sounds like in this state. Yeah, right, like yeah. he's like, boy, I wouldn't mind putting her on a string and flying her like a kite over Lake Michigan. <laughs> like that, it doesn't mean anything to just say that like it's a you know non sequitur. <laughs> but to the FBI, this is super serious, dangerous stuff. <laughs> that you leads know. me to that leads me to two questions I want to ask you really quick too. So, 
one of them, you know, talking about stuff that just seems to make no sense is this WMD charge. I forgot that this was a thing in oh, the yeah. case. What is this? What is what are they talking about with WMDs? Is this like Iraq where we invaded oh. <laughs> yeah, right? fake Which WMDs is, yeah, or what? It's exactly like that. So what's interesting about that is the first it, the indictment that they first secured did not mention that. They then dropped a superseding indictment where they had tacked on WMD charges, which is typically something they do when they're trying to coerce people into taking plea deals, which is what they were doing at the time. So they arrested these guys in October of 2020, it was October 7th. And uh, very quickly, they start putting the screws to two of them in particular. Uh, the reasons for that, I don't want to give everything away that I've uncovered that will come out in the documentary, but there were reasons that are unrelated to like conspiracy to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer for why they tried to pressure those guys into taking plea deals. And it has to do with unrelated criminal activity. Was, was one of them like, uh, Oh, was it, it was criminal activity though. It yeah. wasn't just like one of them. Dated yeah, but a girl. again, it, it was also something that an FBI informant had directed them to do. It's of just, course was it was. of course it was from the Michigan case was like, Hey, uh, I know this uh, convicted felon who wants to purchase some firearms. How do y'all feel about doing some ghost guns? You know, it was stuff like that. And then it was another thing where they tried to incriminate uh, Daniel Harris, one of the guys who got acquitted, by having these parts for the ghost guns shipped to his house without his knowledge. So they were trying to implicate him in, as being part of this scheme, and he, he wasn't part of it. But that's known about, I have the transcripts here from that where the um, the prosecutor brought that up. But that was why Ty Garvin took a plea deal so early. He was the first person to take a plea deal. And then they used that to segue into the superseding indictment where they made allegations of WMDs. And that story changes throughout the what, the what's their definition of a w what's trials. what's the definition of a wmd in this though so they call it an unregistered destructive device or an ied an improvised explosive what? device what it actually was is there's two different stories here and these stories both come from the federal government so the first story that they gave was barry had so if you know barry the guy that wears a tricorn hat you can ask all of his neighbors in Delaware. He does like big fireworks displays every single year with his three daughters. That was like his thing. So he went and purchased a firework, you know, legally from a fireworks store. And then they were having one of these field training exercises where they were engaged in kind of defensive firearms training, medical training. They had food, beer, whatever at these little uh, meetups. But they decided that they wanted to make like a, a flashbang. So Barry said, oh, I'll take the firework and I can weigh it down with some pennies and then you guys can use that as a flashbang. Well, the government said that actually he taped the pennies to the firework because he was trying to make it an explosive, an IED, and he wanted the pennies to be shrapnel because he's heard on audio saying something like, hey, watch out for these pennies. If they get hot, they can like hit your skin. They can burn you or they can cut you or something. He wasn't talking about using it as shrapnel, though. He was just warning people, hey, if some if these pennies fall off, they could hurt you. So stay a couple feet back, but we can turn this into a flashbang. So they so, call that an IED now. So by this definition, we actually did invade Iraq for WMDs. 
<laughs> yeah, a firework with some pennies taped to it. And it's super That's, funny yeah. because wow. in the second trial, the government did this thing. And they did this in the first trial, by the way, too, where like they actually did a Hollywood production. So they call it like a reenactment video of what happened or what what could have happened, like what these guys wanted to happen. So they took their own firework and they created a video of like showing the firework go off. And then they asked them like, well, did you use the same firework? And they were like, no. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing then? But like, they were able to play that in front of a jury. The second video that they made was like, so when they conned these guys to go on the night, the night recon of Gretchen Whitmer's vacation cottage house, Barry was told he was lured there by telling him that they were going to do land navigation training. Barry doesn't know anything about land navigation training, but the FBI informant, Dan, was, you know, the, an Iraq war veteran and was telling him, like, oh, yeah, this will be really important stuff for you to know so you can protect your families if you ever need to. And, uh, yeah, Adam, I don't know if he even knew where he was going, but in this vehicle on the night recon, uh three out of five people are agents of the government. So informants and then an actual undercover FBI agent. And then you have uh, Barry and Adam in the back seat. They're not even so, driving the car, but they're so, called the ringleaders. This, this actually brings me to something. Maybe, maybe you know more about this than I do, but uh, talking about land nav, the, I, I don't think the people who set this up knew how to navigate a map because apparently no. from what I understand is that their plan was to blow up the bridge in Elk Rapids. Uh, Elk Rapids, Michigan, and that way it would like funnel her in or something Slow like that. I I grew up. I grew up in Elk Rapids, Michigan, and that bridge has two ways around it. it, it it's a when <laughs> yeah, you get to the bridge. Yeah, yeah, when you get to the bridge, you can turn left or right. Well, if you turn right, it just goes around it. And if you turn left, you can go around it another way. But like, it's there's no way that you're getting trapped in by blowing this bridge up. It just never made sense to me. So like th for me, when I first heard this story, I'm like. I lived there. If you blew up that bridge, it would stop nothing. The nothing. track would the traffic would have to go a quarter mile extra. It was and never, it wouldn't even slow you. That was never their idea. Like that was what Dan Chapel, again, an FBI informant, suggested to Adam Fox, and Adam was just like, <laughs> Okay, you know, stoned, whatever. Like, sure, buddy. You know, Adam said he thought that this like that none of it was real. Like he said that the way it was described to him, like Dan Chappell told him, well, this is just for training. You know, we got to have like a goal in mind. We have to have just like an outline of a plan just so that we can focus our training. Trust me, this is what they do in the military. You have a mission that you're focused on and it helps the guys kind of get into the training more. So Adam just was like, oh, okay. He's like, thought, oh, I can just, I'll just go along with this because it's not real. Like Dan says, it's not real. It's just to help the guys focus for are training like that's how naive and ignorant adam fox was you know where he did not understand how he was being set up like one day dan comes to him you know had taken him out for hot wings and beer and he says um hey can you draw a map for me of the governor's uh, vacation house adam doesn't even know where she lives he just draws some trick and chicken scratch on the paper like gives it to dan and dan puts it in his pocket and takes it with him to give it to the fbi now that's it's evidence like, because he gave him free yeah, beer and hot wings yeah now that's evidence that's going to be used against him but the context of that is not the fbi coming across a plan in motion and kind of just observing it and then foiling it preventing it from happening it's like hey try to get these unsuspecting drunk 
people drunk and stoned and then try to get them to do stuff that like they either don't know what they're doing like <laughs> they have no idea they're going on a night recon they're told they're doing land navigation training like this is the shit that is it's just so fucked up and it's so egregious you know that like barry was taken from his three daughters and he's been put in jail for 20 years because of this like it's deadly serious the consequences of it but it is like a clown show it sounds like a joke because it's so ridiculous when you actually look at it if barry is conspiring with these six other guys in a conspiracy to kidnap gretchen whitmer why does he have no phone calls with them? Like, where's the communication? And why didn't he reach out? Because, like, a lot more of us are willing to get in on something that's actually real. But if it's not, then, you know, it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, very supposedly, they said, was recruiting people. They called him the spiritual leader. Oh, he's like the blind sheik, so he needs 20 years in prison. And it's like, where is his reaching out to people? Where is his recruitment this, of people? Like, Listen, I am a recruiter. You need, like, tens of thousands of cold calls. I don't see them from Barry. There's none from Barry. There's not even like communications between him and his co-defendants. He wasn't even in any of their encrypted group chats where they would post their memes. That was another big part of this. Spicy memes. <laughs> this but whole thing sounds like a meme, though. It's like that meme it where meme. you're yeah. poking. What is it? The meme where it's, you're poking the thing with a stick. Like, why don't you do the thing? Like, why, on, don't, do you, why don't you do the insurrection? There's like poking <laughs> this thing with a stick. Like, he's drunk exactly guys on the floor. Like, was. do the like, thing. Like, they suggested so many different things. It was the government suggesting this. The government told a guy. So, by the way, if you didn't know, uh, they wanted this to be a multi-state terror plot, right? So they were trying to k turn it into a multi-state thing. That's why they called that nationwide meetup of militia groups where each of the heads of the state chapters of those militia groups were run by FBI informants. So there's another thing. The FBI is effectively running all of these different state chapters of different militia groups across the country. Why is that? Uh, administering Facebook pages with thousands of people like Jenny Plunk. She was a an administrator of the National Three Percenters Facebook page, an FBI informant, you know, and Steve Robeson was one of them, another FBI informant. Like it, it just really raises a lot of questions there. Um, but anyways, yeah, so it's just like, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, they had this guy, he, his name was uh, Frank Butler. He was like a 60 something year old disabled Vietnam veteran. He lives in my state in Virginia and he was real mad about like Ralph Northam. So the FBI brings him out to this meeting in Dublin. This is the so-called nationwide meetup of militia groups that was chaired by the FBI. And uh, they start riling these guys up getting him drunk and stone and then saying like, yeah, we got to have a plan and we're not, you're wasting our time. We're not going to come back here, man. Frank Butler, this old dude is like, I want to shoot Ralph Northam, you know, fuck him. <laughs> like saying shit like that. I mean, again, like if you, if you fed me a bunch of drinks and fed me a bunch of free weed and whatever else, <laughs> and then you were like, well, what do you think about Ralph Northam? And you yeah. gave me enough time. It's like monkeys in a typewriter. I'm going to eventually say something like that. Yeah, they would say things like, you know, what pisses you off the most? Hypothetically speaking, when would it if be you okay had to, to use say, violence? Who would you kill? Hypothetically speaking, if <laughs> yeah, you were going to kidnap the governor, <laughs> how would you do it? Let's play a game. Which politician would you assassinate if you could, if you could get if away with it? Just and then just record them. Yeah. Like, literally, that's what they were doing. They were recording their responses, then playing that at court and saying, see, listen to how violent they are. They really wanted to do something. Right. Believe it because they say offensive things without actually having any evidence to back it up and just ignore all of the over criminal acts that we, the government, tried to 
uh, pursue and actually committed ourselves. Like they broke the law numerous times. I've documented the FBI breaking the law several times in this case. No then one's been held accountable for so that. Really, that's how really, Abby's getting away with doing what she does. Then, as a Fed, she just sits yeah, around. Abby. She watches us all say and commit crimes, and then she just so hangs she's back. just sitting there on the chair. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. just oh. say things like, "I think men are just way hotter when they step up and 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 Threaten get their guns out and march on capitals." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when they put the Vaseline in the jar or whatever, <laughs> put the gasoline in the jar, put the powder oh, in the balloon. Say, no, I was going to say, not Vaseline, excuse else. me, I'm kind of bounced. I, I got dinner. That went in a totally different direction. So, really, Radix really likes men with Vaseline. No. You heard it here first. Now that, no. that Radix is putting her foot in her mouth. Um, not just that, are, but there's a, more Vaseline coming. <laughs> We are. <laughs> this this conversation's been so fun. Like I didn't, if I didn't have the time in front of me, I would just like keep going. But um, we do. Uh, we did talk about keeping this to an hour and then going over to Rumble yes. and answering people's questions. So really quick, what else do you want to let the the listeners know that aren't maybe maybe listening later? Um, and what? How can they support you? Where they, can they find this film? What's kind of stuff like that? And then we'll head over to Rumble and answer some so, questions. I want people to know it's bigger than Michigan. It was a multi-state plot that the government tried to get off the ground. I think it's kind of like a, a white pill that they were so incompetent they weren't able to do that but um yeah just know that and know that there are innocent people in prison right now it's also there are state cases separate from this there are five guys who are facing charges of like providing material support for terrorism in the state case that case is coming up in the summer so that's super important if you want to uh, follow the documentary i have no no date of like when this thing is going to be done or when it's going to be out but I'm hoping if we can meet our fundraising goals, we'll have it out by the end of the year. Um, and so you can just follow, um, I think on Twitter, it is at uh, K&K Film. And on YouTube, it is K&K Film Official. Or just go to kkfilm.com and uh, you can be kept informed about it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Radix. This has been really, really fun. Really quick, Keith DB over on Rumble with a $10 super chat says, got to go. Another great show. You guys are killing it. Yes. Thank you so much, Keith. Uh, have a great night. And for everybody else, please follow us over to Rumble and we will continue the conversation there for a little bit longer. And if you are, again, if you're listening to this later you got, and you are an audio listener, uh, you can go to um, conspiracypill.locals.com and you can get the full audio podcast, which will include the Rumble section. So please do that. It helps uh, the show out a lot. And we will see you guys over on Rumble. Oh,